Om Namo Narayanaya. This is a recording of a talk of James Swartz on the Bhagavad Gita at Yoga Vidya Bad Meinberg near Hanover in Germany. In other words, you're always seeing, knowing, experiencing something. Isn't that correct? Waking, dream, and deep sleep. That's all. You're always either awake or asleep or dreaming. And in the dream state, you're always experiencing something. And in the waking state, you're always experiencing something. And in the deep sleep state, you're always experiencing something. Now, what is that? That means what? You're always observing your experience. Aren't you? How can you be what you're experiencing? If you are what you're experiencing, you won't be able to observe it, will you? If I am my glasses, how can I see my glasses? If I am my glasses, I won't be able to see them. I can only see them because I'm here and the glasses are there. So I'm all, there is no object that ever touches the subject. This is why, why it says in the, in the Bible, it said it's easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. This is the kingdom of heaven. Awareness. And a, a rich man means what? Means a person, an object, a person with objects, a person with possessions. Okay? So this, this person with possessions means objects. It means what? No objects can get up to here. You can't take anything from here and put it here. There's no object that could come in and what? And, and, and enter into you. So that means what? I'm always free of every object. And what is the, what is the one object that, that, that contains all of the objects of experience? What is the one object that contains all objects of experience? Experience itself. Just like all material objects are made out of matter, all matter and all experience is made out of what? Consciousness, isn't it? Every, and what? So, all, just every discrete thought that I have, remember where we started. When we, we have to go back to the beginning. You, you all forget the beginning. The beginning is experience is consciousness plus a thought is experience. Consciousness minus a thought is what? Consciousness. Consciousness plus a thought is experience. Minus a thought is consciousness. So, so what, is that, what does that mean? That means that experience itself is an object. This is why you... Isn't it? You know what you're experiencing. It doesn't matter what you're experiencing. Who cares? We don't care if it's a good experience, it's a bad experience. It, it doesn't matter. It can be any experience. That's totally irrelevant to this question. The question, the point is that what? You are never, ever contaminated by the experience that you're having. 
you're always free of the experience. And since the the experience is only possible because you're it, it because you're there to know the experience. That's the only way the experience is possible. Then it doesn't matter what your what your experience is. You just look to the one who knows. Now, if you say I have to discriminate, what does that mean? I don't know. <laughs> it means I don't know. <clears throat> I don't know that I'm the subject. But you do know that you're the subject. You do know that you're consciousness. Huh? Yes, sir. What about the experience of the I amness? The how? Okay. Yes. How is the experience of I amness known? Because it's an object. Because it's an object. So the experience of I amness is not enlightenment. And is it helpful to No, well, n not really, because people have the experience of I amness and then they cling to the I amness experience, huh? For years and years and years, and that doesn't solve the problem of duality, does it? Because all they do is cling to the I am. So that means what? Huh? That means they're just pay, they're just identifying with the thought, huh? With the I am thought. So the duality hasn't disappeared, and there's been no shift in their consciousness. I, I have a, a disciple who who was a Ramana and Nisargadatta person for uh, six years. He he came through all all different other things, meditation and yoga and all those things, and then then he heard about non-duality. And uh, and he got into Ramana and the Sargadatta, and they're saying, you know, meditate on the I am. Cling to the I am. He was five years doing that. And he wondered why nothing happened. <laughs> he said, yeah, it was a wonderful experience. His life changed, but he wasn't free at all. Hi. Because he was always, all the time, what keeping his mind on the I am thought, on the I am, the I am experience. Huh? See what the problem is? What wasn't he taking into account? The one who sees him clinging to the I am. <laughs> he thought he was the one that was clinging to the I am. He didn't take the self, his self, into account. The self wasn't clinging to the I am, was it? How could the self cling to the I am? The self is the I am. So all that was happening was his, his, his jiva was hanging on to the thought, I am. No change of status at all. No change of state. The I stayed right where it was. The jiva stayed right where it was. Now, before, instead of clinging to an object in the world, now it's clinging to that subjective f feeling of I am. There is a feeling that. So he's just clinging to that. And he's, he's, he doesn't see that he's the one that sees himself clinging to the I am. 
And when he heard the Vedanta, the lights went on and he got moksha. He's, he's, he, he was, it took him a while to like, he couldn't believe it. He couldn't believe that he'd spent five years and his life was good, but he wasn't free. And suddenly when he heard the teaching that he's the witness of the I am and the clinger, he, re- he identified the clinger as the jiva. Because why would a jiva cling to that I am? Well, it's, it's what? You cling to something because what? You're getting some satisfaction out of it. Just like clinging to your dog or your wife or your kids. Why do you cling to those things? Why do you hang on? Because they give you something. So clinging to the I am gave him some peace and satisfaction before he'd been clinging to objects and they were always disappearing. But the I am was always present, so he's always clinging to the I am, so he got some stability in his life, some constancy in his life, but still he wasn't free, was he? Because he's still taking the position of what? Of this jiva. And when he heard this teaching that I'm the witness of the I am, I'm the witness of the clinger, the clinger is the doer. Hmm? Clinging or meditating, the meditator is the doer. Jnanis don't meditate. Why? Because they're not doers. A jnani is a self. <clears throat> so why would a jnani meditate? Because you only meditate to get something. To get something. So he only clings to the I am to get something. You can't cling to yourself because yourself's not an object. So how can you cling to yourself? So, yes, it's a good practice up to a point, but it doesn't set you free. Because they don't, because what, what Vedanta said, okay, this is what I'm trying to point out to Carl, is that if you know you're clinging to something, if you know that you don't know, you can only be awareness, can't you? But you don't think your awareness because you think the one that knows you're clinging is the jiva. But it isn't the jiva that knows that it's clinging because the jiva is not conscious. The jiva is only a reflected object. So actually the one that knows that you're what? That you don't know. That I don't know is a thought here in the subtle body. So the one that knows I don't know, is only this. So when we point that out, then the person says, no, I don't understand that. Why? Because they're, they're looking at it from this point of view. They're thinking that the jiva should understand. The jiva should know, but the jiva can't know. Why can't the jiva know? Because he's limited. Well, because he's a, he's a material object. The subtle body, awareness plus the subtle body is called a jiva. And what? Since awareness is identified with the jiva, how's it going to know? The reflection is what? Inert. Okay. <laughs> the jiva is called a chidabasa. Chidabasa means, abasa, basa means light, abasa means reflected light. Chid means consciousness. So, the jiva is reflected consciousness. That's what it is. Now, I, I was talking to the moon 
I get around. So I was having a discussion with the moon. It was a full moon night. And I went in my spaceship, and I went up to talk to the moon. I could see the man in the moon. So I said, I'll go talk to the man in the moon. So I got in my spaceship, and I went to the moon. And uh, it was a full moon night, and we were there together. And uh, the moon said to me, said, hey, look at that. See those people down there on Earth? Look at that. Look at me. I'm shining on those people. And, uh, and they're all out enjoying themselves. It's a beautiful evening. Oh, so many millions of people have come out to enjoy my light. You know how it is when it's a beautiful night in the summer, the moon is out. You go out, you can see things. It's beautiful. And I said to the moon, I said, you know something? You're a thief. And he looked at me like, hey, I thought we were having a kind of conversation here. I thought we were friends. I, all I said was, I'm shining on here, and those people can are enjoying themselves. I'm giving them light. Actually, you should be praising me. I'm a very nice person. I'm like giving light to the, to the world. Why, why do you call me a thief? Why do you insult me like this right now? How dare you? I said, no, you're a thief. He said, what? I said, yeah, listen, okay, just calm down. Listen, I'm telling you. You're borrowing your light. You think what? You think you're shining, don't you? Don't you as a jiva think you're shining? Don't you think you're conscious and you know things? Isn't that right? Huh? Come on, admit it. <laughs> you guys are, you people are too scared, you know. <laughs> you think I'm more clever than, I'm not that clever. <laughs> Don't you think you're conscious? Your jiva, your person? So I said, I said, you're you're stealing your light. He said, Well, okay, where's the who's are my who am I stealing it from? I said, the sun. The sun? What are you talking about? I said, the sun. Right over there, the sun. Dummy. Now, the moon looks to, at the sun. Can the moon see the sun with its light? Can, can the moon see the sun with its light? No. Why not? Huh? Because the light is coming from the sun, and then it hits the, the moon, which is matter, material matter, and what? That moon absorbs some of the light. It, it removes some of the light. It, it takes it in. The matter, just like, that's why you don't see, you don't see consciousness shining in a chair. Why don't you see consciousness shining in a chair? Huh? It's Thomas. It's a black hole. Matter is a black hole. The scientists tell us about black holes. It's a scientific fact. All that, the black hole is just macrocosmic Thomas. 
And they, they put it in physical terms. They say, the gravity is so strong, it's stronger than the light, so the light can't escape. They're talking about physical light. Well, material objects are what? Uh, are black holes. The consciousness is shining on those objects, but what? You can't see consciousness in them. You can see consciousness in human beings. Why? Because they have a reflector, a subtle body. And that subtle body reflects the light of consciousness. Consciousness is everywhere. And so the subtle body is a reflector, so you see it in a person, but you don't see it in the material objects. Because they hide the light. They absorb the light. So... The rays of the sun are coming down on the moon. Some of the light is what? Absorbed by the moon, by the thought. And what? It reflects back, but will it reflect back to the source? Does it have enough energy and enough power to bounce all the way back to the source, to the sun, so that the moon can see the sun? No. It will go this far, his knowledge will go this far, but it won't go far enough to see the sun, will it? So the light that you're claiming to be your light, huh? this jiva, the light that the jiva is claiming to be its light is what? Is reflected awareness only. <coughs> so you're never going to know that. <laughs> so when you say, I know... Huh? I or I don't know. How do you know what you know and you don't know? It doesn't matter if you know or you don't know. We don't care if you're the self doesn't care if I'm ignorant. I'm ignorant of certain I'm speaking as James, I'm ignorant of certain things. Lots of things. But it's fine if I'm ignorant. Who cares? Why should I care? Because I'm the one that knows that I'm ignorant. Which means you're always the self. Because you know what you know, and you know what you don't know. And those are the only two categories in existence, aren't they? What you know and what you don't know. There's no other option, is there? You either know something or you don't know something. Which means what? There's a third factor, and that third factor is called awareness that knows what it knows and knows what it doesn't know. So we don't care if you know who you are or not. Just say, I don't know, and I know that I don't know. Or you say, I know, and a person who says, I know, without understanding that he's this, has got enlightenment sickness. It's a jiva claiming to be, I know, <laughs> without understanding that it's, it's really limitless awareness. How do you know that you know? They say, because I know. No, not that's not the reason. Because what? The, I, the thought I know is an object that presents itself to me, limitless, non-dual, actionless, ordinary, ever-present awareness. Knowledge is an object, and ignorance is an object. Th this one can't know this. This is what... This, huh? When you, when you eat, meet these enlightened people that say, I know who I am, well, you better find out what they mean. 
you better find what eye is talking there. Huh? Is it this eye that's talking or is it this eye that's talking? Now most people in the spiritual world think that enlightenment is this eye saying I'm awareness. Now it is, but it isn't. Huh? Why, why do we say it is, but it isn't? This I can legitimately claim I'm awareness in the sense that what? It knows that the light that it gives it consciousness comes from what? The self. Then it can say I know. But if it thinks it owns the light, it thinks it's the source of the light, then it's got enlightenment sickness. Then it, the jiva is co-opting, is claiming something that doesn't belong to it. 99% of your enlightened teachers who claim they're enlightened have got enlightenment sickness. They're just, huh? The jiva has claimed I'm enlightenment, enlightened without knowing it's limitless, non-dual, actionless, ordinary awareness. You can tell that by the way that by the, the way they speak and the platform from which they speak and the way they act and behave. You can tell. They couldn't be enlightened. The jiva has figured clever and figured out that it can claim this and then it gets a special status for itself. But if you're this, you can't claim anything, can you? Because you're just ordinary awareness. And ordinary awareness is everything that is. So there's nothing to claim for you. The jiva can only claim to be enlightened if it understands what this is and what this is and the difference between this and this. So if you go to a gurus and, they, and you want to study with those gurus or get enlightened from those gurus, you better find out who you're talking to. Can I find that out when I don't have to? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's why you shouldn't go to gurus. <laughs> yeah, no, you shouldn't. You shouldn't go to gurus. Why? Because, because you don't know. What you should do is let the guru come to you. Because when you're ready for it, when you're ready to hear it, then what? The guru will come. Somehow will just come into your life in a very normal, interesting way, and then you'll uh, and then you'll you'll understand what they're saying, and you won't get cheated. But most of the spiritual, most of the people who come to Vedanta have are disappointed by previous gurus. They love the gurus; they tried their best. There wasn't any anything really evil or wicked going on. They just didn't get free. Most of the people hop from one guru to another. Four, five, six, some went ten or fifteen different gurus. Because <laughs> they were looking for a guru. And then wherever you got people that want things, you got other people who what? Will supply that need. Whether they can legitimately supply that need or not. And most of the people that are teaching are not consciously deluded. They actually think they're enlightened. So they have confidence, they have a certain kind of confidence that gives them a certain kind of shakti or energy and, and 
So you'd believe him. But then you spend two, three, four, five, six years with him, and still at the end of the time, what? You still are not free and you still depend upon the guru. In Vedanta, we want to get rid of you very quickly. Huh? I don't want any I don't want any disciples. I want to I want to show you how to be your own guru. <laughs> the last thing I want is people dependent upon me. If you listen and you hear this and you understand this, you'll become your own guru. You'll be set free by it. Your seeking will stop and you'll what? You'll understand I'm the self. You'll quit seeking and you'll apply the knowledge. That's all. Much better. Much better to, uh, to see yourself as the self and just apply the knowledge to get rid of your own ignorance than to keep running from hopping from one guru to another expecting something to happen. Because enlightenment's not an experience. Enlightenment's not an event. It's going to take place in time. Enlightenment's your nature. Freedom is your nature. That's something that you're always free. <laughs> you're not going to get free. It seems like it's an event. Why? When your last doubt goes away, it seems like an event, but it's not an event. It's so totally ordinary and normal, you couldn't claim it to be anything special at all. It's just the last thought that I'm limited goes away. And the freedom that you always have been becomes obvious and available from that time on. Could, could you say that um, uh, ignorant, ignorance disappears? Is that an event? What's that? that ignorance disappears. Yeah, the last that's correct. That's an event. You're not gaining knowledge or getting free. You're just what? Losing ignorance. That's um, that's an event. Uh, yeah, so that that's it, that's an event. Seen that, as an event. You it can that's better. It can be seen as an event. Yeah. And that's why you say nothing ever happened. When, when when the last thought goes away and you see nothing ever happened. I was never a seeker. I never sought. I never found. I never did anything. I was never ignorant. I never got knowledge. I was never bound. I was never free. I was always, what, just me. Not a big deal. But if you don't understand it, then it seems like a big deal. Yes, sir? Then the seeker is not the sought. The seeker is not the sought. Yes, it is. The seeker is the sought. Huh? The seeker is the sought. Why, why is it a seek? But it's a, it's a seeker until the ignorance goes. Then it becomes the sought. But it was the sought while it was seeking. No? Did you? That didn't make sense? Well, I understood that the jiva is, is seeking. The jiva is seeking, but the jiva is the self. Remember, there's only one self. The jiva can't seek because the see jiva, huh? The jiva can't seek because it's not conscious, is it? As as a jiva, it's conscious as consciousness. 
So the jiva that's seeking is really the self all the time, isn't it? So all you do is lose the sense that you're a jiva, that's all. Jiva means limited by what? Your subtle body. Then you see that this jiva that was seeking is, was always only this. And the seeking stops. No? I can see you still have a question mark. Question. Yes. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> okay, say your say your question again. Let me see if I can help you figure it out. I thought this um, um, the jiva is not seeking. Well, no, no, no. I, I thought the, um, the jiva is seeking. It's the jiva seeking. is seeking, but <laughs> because awareness is not seeking. Because but, but not awareness seeking. is seeking as the jiva when ah, okay. what? When Maya is operating. Ah, okay. mm -hmm. Awareness is not seeking, but when Maya is operating, awareness becomes a jiva and starts to seek. So awareness is only seeking because Maya is active. That's correct. And that's why we try to get rid of Maya. We explain to you what Maya is and get you to understand Maya. And then what? Then you see huh, that you're free. Because you don't see Maya operating. Maya's hidden. It's unconscious. You don't see Maya. It's Maya's behind the jiva, isn't it? Here's the jiva. And Maya's behind it. It's hidden. The jiva can only see what's on its level and what's below its level. Huh? The jiva can only see what happens in the jiva, your thoughts and feelings and so forth, your experiences, and it can see what? Objects. Because it's reflected. The reflection doesn't go back up and illumine the self. And it doesn't illumine Maya either. Maya is even subtler than the reflection. Maya causes the reflection. And the, the, the effect, which is the jiva, the subtle body, what can't see the cause because the cause is subtler than the effect. So the best the jiva can do is to see that it can't see Maya. That, that's right. To see that it can't see. And what? And take a stand as awareness. Apply these teachings until what? This ignorance goes away. Or just understand simply that I'm not this jiva. I'm the one that knows the jiva. That's a simple way. That's a quick, direct path. But <coughs> I won't, most people won't take the direct path. Why? Because it doesn't seem right. <laughs> it's not. Huh? It's too simple. It's way, it's way too simple and too logical. They don't want to do it. This is why that chapter 9 was the kingly secret, the royal secret. Huh? It's so simple you don't believe it. <laughs> because you've read too many spiritual books and been to too many satsangs <laughs> and listened to too many people talk about how incredible enlightenment is. So when you hear how simple it is, you just say, I can't, that's not, that can't be. It's not possible. And then you keep expecting something to happen. Subject to object. That's where we started. There's only two things. The subject, huh? ordinary awareness, and objects appearing in awareness. That's it. That's your experience. 
I'm the subject, the objects are not me. All you have to do is know what an object is. And we define it, and how did we define an object? <laughs> Anything other than a subject. Simple. See how simple it is? An object is anything other than a subject. And the object is the subject, but what? The subject is never the object. That's why the subject is always free. We call this teaching Driksha Viveka, the discrimination between the subject and the object. Yes, sir. When you talk about the ordinary awareness, awareness, yeah. <clears throat> Why you pointed ordinary? Yeah. It's there a different no awareness like no the no no, awareness? no no there's not. <clears throat> <laughs> We're saying ordinary awareness because that extraordinary mind blowing macrocosmic awareness is not doesn't even exist. It's a fantasy that spiritual people have. <laughs> it's a fantasy that's cooked up by all this spiritual pornography that you read. These books you read about these enlightenment stuff is pornography. Yeah, I'm sorry, I, I, you know, I hate to use that, but it is. They've got you all excited. You're wanting the big orgasm. Uh huh? They've worked you up. You're waiting. When's it going to happen? <laughs> right? That's right. Come on, admit it. That's right. You've been suckered. You're fools. I, I did it. I was suckered. I was a fool. I'm not saying you as, you know. <laughs> everybody. Everybody gets fooled by that. I spent four years believing that one. Fortunately, I, after four years, I, I figured it out. that it that, huh? That's why we say it's ordinary. To, to get rid of this idea that, that something amazing is going to happen to you. Nothing amazing is going to happen. All it is is that doubt about who you are is going to disappear. Now that's amazing. huh? That is really amazing when you let go of this notion that you're this seeking entity. And you quit expecting some big spiritual orgasm to happen. That's amazing. Because I don't want to let go of my fantasies, do I? My spiritual fantasy. Oh, that's what's keeping me alive, isn't it? That's what's keeping me seeking. I'm looking for Mrs. Wright, Mr. Wright. I'm looking for Bhagawan. I want to have sex with Bhagawan. Shiva and Shakti mating. A kundalini, boom! Out goes the energy. Shiva's there, boom! Big orgasm, bliss, 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 bliss. Huh? <laughs> right? Yeah, that's right. That's what you all secretly hope for. <laughs> it isn't going to happen. <laughs> Just forget it. 
It's not like that. You mean to say that all those people that were talking like that are wrong? Yes. They're wrong. It's just an experience. That's all. If you don't have it now, it's not real. Huh? Anything that you don't have now is not real. Anything that happens is not real. If it's not real, it doesn't actually exist. It seemingly exists. That's what we mean by maya. That's what we mean by mitya. Maya, mitya means what? It, it feels like it's real, but it isn't actually real at all. It's a seeming existence. It's a faramagana. It looks like water on the desert, but it's not water. Maya's cooked it up and made you get all excited about it. And you take it to be real. That's why we say ordinary. I get, I get people write me and say, Jesus, thank you so much. Just that one little word. Thank you. I just needed that one little word. That saved, that, that removed so much suffering and pain from my mind. Because everybody wants that big, big, big experience. Because our lives, honestly, let's face it, our lives are pretty dull and boring, aren't they? When you're when you're happy with dull and boring, then you're enlightened. <laughs> My life is so dull and boring. Huh? Believe me, I just I've been saying the same thing for forty five years. <laughs> Seriously, I, I the exactly the same words are coming out now that came out forty five years ago. And people say, aren't you bored? And I said, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and how do you feel about that? That's fine. I'm very happy to be bored. I, huh? If, if it could be different, it would be different. But it can't be different. Because that's the way it is. So I'm happy with my boring little self and my boring little life. All of our lives are just ordinary, boring things. <laughs> Get used to it. And all these, I, you know, I was with one of the most, the greatest spiritual people on the planet. Two, actually two. And their lives were so ordinary. But everybody thought, and they were the most incredible people, but what? Their lives were totally boring. Believe me. Nothing's going to change. Just that ignorance goes away. And you feel, and you're just always happy without any reason. You don't depend upon any, any event or experience to, to lift you up and make you happy. You're always satisfied. 
with ordinary things are just as great as extraordinary things. It's all the same. It has nothing to do with you, what happens. So when you're extrovert, your mind is going out, well, then you then you you need things to happen to make you happy. But all of those are happiness is from happenings. <laughs> Something happens and I get happy. But this is a happiness that doesn't require any objects. This is just what? Bliss. It's just fullness. I see that I'm full. I see that I'm complete. I see that I'm whole. And, and I'm totally confident in who I am. I don't need to have anything happen to make me happy. That's the, that's the, it's enlightened people, that's what they're like. So that's what we were, that's where we started. We didn't get on to the next uh, statements, but they're all, all the statements are the same statement, basically. Anyway. <laughs> we don't have to cut to go through. Yeah, we do. That's right. You don't have to go through all the words. It's all the same boring. Text. Huh? It's all the boring. same boring text. <laughs> <laughs> no, I. This is just an opportunity to work these prakriyas, these teachings on you, to show you how to think. That's all. It's all the same. They're different. All the teachings, they're slightly different teachings, but they all say the same thing. They all tell you that what? The objects are not real, and what? That you are what? Real. You're what's real. They all say the same thing. Just looking at them from different angles. Any one of these fellow gentlemen that was here earlier, he, he, had, he had a mantra that worked, uh, a, a teaching that worked for him, the wave in the ocean. So that wave, and that's all he needed. The other ones he's not that interested in, and that's fine. If one of these, one of these teachings works for you, just use it. That just keeps him satisfied. That keeps him, what, discriminating. He just thinks, I'm the ocean, that's a wave. I'm free of the wave, because I'm the ocean. End of story. Nisargadatta, what did he have? He didn't get, have any special teachings. He, his guru said, you're that, and he had total faith in his guru, the words of the guru, so he just used that idea, I am that, until what? He saw what it meant to be I am that, that's all. He just discriminated over and over and over again. You know, I'm not Nisargadatta, I'm that. So he didn't need a whole lot of fancy teachings. Because all of them say the same thing. Brahma Satyam Jagannitya. Brahma Satyam means you're the truth. You stand alone. You're free. And what? All the objects depend on you. That's all it means. Unless you're present, how, how can there be any objects? <laughs> <laughs> so we're back at seven. Uh, and we break. For a boring break, for some, for some more food. boring teaching. <laughs> boring food. It's a boring food. Boring, boring, sattvic, healthy food. I can't wait to get out and have a worst. <laughs> <laughs>
recorded at Yoga Vidya Bad Meinberg near Hanover in Germany. More information on shiningworld.com and yoga-vidya.org.